Hello, good morning, almost good afternoon. Uh, I'm Alex Mosed. You're on Winner Take All. I'm joined by Nick Johnson, co-author of Modern Monopolies with me. Thanks for joining us, Nick. Um, and we have an exciting announcement to make on Winner Take All today, where you may notice our nice interactive banner right here. Just to keep everyone updated, uh, in case you get you really want to know what's coming up next? Well, now you know, or maybe if you forget what we're actually talking about, now you'll also know um, right there. So that is fun and more improvements to come. I don't even really need to now talk about what we're going to say on the show because it's all right there for you. So now we're just going to jump on in. First one here is about China. So China moves to increase oversight of tech companies. Um, <laughs> basically, we've been talking a lot on the show about how a lot of the Chinese tech monopoly stocks are actually suppressed. They've actually been dragged down by increased oversight um, by the Chinese government in the past, I'd say, 12 to 18 months, where you actually see a lot of these Chinese tech companies not regulate their users or the content on the site as well as the Chinese government would like them to do it. Um, and then they've imposed either fines or penalties or warnings, and that's dragged down a lot of the the, uh, the tech company stocks. Now, man, Chinese government is just tripling down on this. And Nick, what are they? What so? What are they actually doing to increase oversight? Well, they already have in a lot of these big tech companies basically people embedded with the company, and they're basically just increasing that presence. And I think broadening it from you know the one the big ones to a bigger part of the tech sector. And it's everything from the big platform companies to hardware makers. Uh, and there was actually another story in the Wall Street Journal uh, this morning, I believe, which was basically saying that there's growing concern or that part of the, what China is now doing is tighter integration between private technology development and the military. So that is, again, hardware, AI, software. So it, it ties into this integration of these uh, big platform companies with the Chinese government and the military. And this is not, you know shouldn't be stunning for anyone who's been looking at what China's been doing for a long time, but there's uh, an increasing integration of private technology development with basically military technology development. You know, the, the, the stock you can see here, this, this came out yesterday, this news. Right. Um, so you see here, you know, Tencent, their stock took a hit, small hit, Baidu took a bigger hit. It's actually up today, I think, because of, you know, positive trade aspirations, but you can see this hit here. You know, it's like a three, four, four-ish percent drop um, from this news that came out yesterday. So that's kind of interesting. Um, ironically, we that's actually something that we think, I mean, actually don't, I don't fault them for that. We've said how the U.S. tech companies should be doing the same thing. Um, what the same thing meaning what? Same thing, working more closely with the Department of Defense to help the United States, right? Um, that's something Eric Schmidt has come out and talked about, and we've discussed that on the show as well. Why is there this reticence of, uh, on the part of the U.S. tech monopolies to not work closely with the with the U.S. military? And, then and that's I think it comes out of the kind of post Snowden revelations world where people are concerned about basically government monitoring in the U.S. And if you combine that with basically the private sector monitoring that you have with all these ad-based companies like Facebook and Google. That's probably where a lot of the concern comes from. Yep. No, I understand where it comes from. I, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah. The, I, look, all of this, all of this suffice to say is I think 
this is this going to break up the large Chinese tech companies? No, it's not going to break them up. Why? Because the Chinese government is very smart and they understand the Chinese tech monopolies are a huge asset to China. Right. It's a form of soft power, not just domestically, but also abroad when they're exporting, you know, Alibaba and these big companies to India. If those companies are very successful there, that expand Chinese influence in India. This isn't new. The U.S. has been doing this for, I don't know, more than a century. Yeah. It's a, the expansion of private enterprise is a great way to expand soft power. So now, you know, what are the downsides of this? Okay. I mean, I would say, <sighs> does it really hurt competition in China? Not really. Does it hurt smaller? Um, does it make the large tech monopolies a little less agile? I would say so. It might actually open up more opportunities for the smaller tech companies in China to be more nimble if they're not as heavily regulated. Um, interestingly enough, though, I would say the probably the biggest negative of this is just potentially having entrepreneurs in China want to build businesses not in China. And you just see that if you get to that scale, um, you have to be on board with what the Chinese government is saying. And if you are not on board, you are out of there. Yeah, and I think it's no longer from your a, company. From a business perspective, the downside is it increases your cost because you have to uh, hire a, this, huge, right? a huge, basically manual staff of people that are responsible for this monitoring to make sure that you know, you're not triggering the or broadcasting things the Chinese government doesn't want you to. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a drag on their business results in the sense that they have to go uh, you know, very stringently, they've got to comply or you get shut down. So it's not like there's a wiggle room for them uh, the way there is for, you know, Facebook has been going back and forth about, oh, do we control, we have editorial control over what people say? How do we regulate private speech in the Chinese uh, platform economy? That's not really a debate. The answer is yes, you do. And you've got to do it to the degree it's that we tell you question. to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Let's go to WeWork. Um, it's our, you'll see our tag here or we does not work. Okay. Well, I'm going to play, I'm going to, we're going to go back in time. The <laughs> WeWork S1 came out August 14th. We covered it August 15th. This was then posted to YouTube August 16th. See the dates here. And I'm going to play this clip. WeWork is doing $1.7 billion in revenue and they're spending like $1.5, $1.6 billion just on the leases. Anytime you hear anything kooky that is skewing EBITDA, run for the hills, baby. This company, bad news bears. Oh man, it just keeps getting better this morning. WeWork is a tech company. Did you guys know that? I didn't know that. Um, I don't know if WeWork knows it, but... They're trying to say that they're a tech company. WeWork has higher valuations than Uber. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Let's just pause on that. WeWork has higher valuations than Uber. Wow. Okay. Um, WeWork reported their IPO filing. They said they did $1.7 billion in revenue. You can't make this stuff up. They're valuing themselves at $47 billion. Okay. That's over. What is that, like a 25x revenue multiple? And then there's all this kooky stuff going on with the CEO, Adam Newman. Owns a lot of the leases. So he owns, Adam, the CEO is buying the buildings. Then WeWork is leasing from the CEO. I mean, can you say conflict of interest? Um, the CEO has 
huge amounts of control to actually right from a voting share standpoint with the thing going public. There's all these kind of kooky self dealings in here, which would scare me. Um, and the CEO is getting rich. The founders are getting rich and the valuations sure is rich. I don't know why SoftBank put money into this. I, I think this was a bad call on, on SoftBank's part. Um, it's not a tech company. This is a real estate company doing all sorts of funky stuff. They used to have this thing called community adjusted EBITDA. Anytime you hear anything kooky that is skewing EBITDA, run for the hills, baby. Community adjusted EBITDA, they finally kind of got away from that. But what they're trying to say is, oh, well, the EBITDA, well, if we have, you know, if we're investing in a real estate location, but it's not currently running, well, we want to take that out of our EBITDA calculation. Boo hoo. Okay. You don't get to just make up your own rules. Give them EBITDA straight up and don't play any games because this business is in some deep trouble. I would, I would not touch this with a 10-foot pole. Okay. Can I say we called it? I think I can say we called it. What happened with WeWork yesterday? Adam Newman is gone. SoftBank bounced him. I think the valuation is cut not just in half. I think it's, it's cut a by a, a fourth. Maybe it was a third, at least a third. I heard a fourth. I don't know. The thing's not going public. They're laying off a third of their employees. Right. The CEO um, is gone. He's the now uh, non-executive right. chairman, yeah. and his voting control was reduced by like a factor of two or three. Basically, he's no longer the majority shareholder. Yeah. Um, so basically, you know, this is just a story of these linear companies are getting rocked. Um, they're trying to act like tech monopolies. Who, which, which companies can go public with the level of just audacity and wacky governance that that we work was trying to do oh you want to know who can actually do that and get away with it tech monopolies can we work linear real estate company get away with it clearly not um so another company that's getting whacked netflix getting whacked uh here is their six month stock performance Basically, what they're saying is now they're in, in negative territory. They were up 46% over the course of 2019. And in the past two months, all of that has been erased. And I'd say this is another one. I think we called this one. We probably wrote about this, what, five or so times in the last year about how Netflix was in trouble. They've got all these rising content costs and they're no longer the only game in town now. You've got exactly. three, four other big companies piling in. There's going to be more. And costs are going to go up and prices aren't going to be able to go up with it because there's yep. now competition. So, yeah, we've been talking about Netflix ad infinitum. And this is this is just the beginning for Netflix. This thing. Don't buy. Don't buy Netflix. Don't buy into this. Oh, man. Netflix is down. It's going to peak. Netflix has peaked. OK, the future is not bright for Netflix. The multiples that Netflix is trading at are not sustainable. OK, this is an example that I would tie to WeWork. WeWork, all the important questions about WeWork are real estate questions. It's not a platform company. It doesn't have a network. It's real estate. They own assets and they have to basically turn that into revenue. Netflix is a movie Netflix studio. Netflix is the same. It's a movie studio, right. All the important questions about Netflix are TV questions or movie production questions. They have a different distribution model for that, which is streaming, which changes some of the distribution economics. But fundamentally, the supply side of that business is no different than... 
21st Century Fox or Disney. Netflix is at a crossroads. Netflix can do one of two things. They could try and do both, but that's going to be too difficult. One of two things. Option number one for Netflix. Try to become a platform. Try to open up third-party content. Try to get content creators um, either, you know, commentating on your existing content, giving you new content, some mixture of the two. Try to build a supply-side ecosystem. Option number one. Option number two. Be like Disney. Try to try to understand that you are building brands in, as a movie studio, and you just got you just were able to one up all the other movie studios and and capture this thing called digital distribution better than everyone else, and you and now just have access and audience. And how can you now build the brands of your shows and be like Disney? And how can you spin up adjacent linear traditional businesses? To sell merchandise or to, um, I don't know, you know, launch a theme park. You know, uh, what's the other ways that Disney is monetizing the the Disney brands, right? I mean, that it, it, that was honestly, that was. I think the challenge of being like Disney is you're trying to, you, if you want to be like Disney, Disney is trying to be more like Netflix because a lot of the stuff that meant being like Disney is going away. A lot of that TV revenue, the way people traditionally worked with cable. Yeah, I don't know how. That's yeah, shrinking. Exactly. Uh, movie revenue, uh, struggling there because not as many people are going into movie theaters. That's you know, so th- It's hard. I, I struggle to see a path where Netflix can be like Disney, the way Disney's been for the past you know, 15, 20 years, and be very successful, particularly because they don't have all the great brands that Disney does. And without going out and I didn't say it was a, a bunch good of stuff. option. I just said they only have two options. I right. would I would pick the former rather than the latter. But <laughs> okay, it's not easy to be Disney. Now, yes. now the genius in what Walt figured out decades ago, it's kind of his version of an ecosystem type play was having all of these things interconnected. There's a great photo out there on the internet kind of showing how all of these different businesses funnel into each other. And they're, it's they're kind of very a, well vertically integrated all the way from you know, production of content through merchandising and building experiences around that. And Disney's always been great at that. Now here's the interesting thing. Also on the Disney note, Bob Iger has a book coming out and he talks about why he didn't buy Twitter. Now he, t- you know, basically he says that the, that the brand of Twitter and all of the kind of, just, you know, uh, offensive and, uh, and abuse and just kind of hate that exists on Twitter, i.e. the Internet, you know, doesn't line up with Disney's brand. And that was the reason why he didn't do it. Now, in here, he says it was interesting because we thought it would be a good platform to distribute our content on and get closer to customers, which is critical in today's business environment. But, you know, you know, but I thought there are things Disney does well and not well, blah, blah, blah. Disney later bought a majority interest in BAM tech a sports streaming website. So um, this is what he's missing in this is yes, it's a good distribution mechanism and they, and they bought the technology in BAM tech. What he is missing about the value of Twitter and just more broadly, a platform is the supply side value of the content from third-party content creators. And I don't think he was appreciating that clearly as much as he should have not saying he should have gotten Twitter and if that was the right brand play for them. But Disney absolutely needs to figure out how to do the platform model um, if they want to be as dominant as they plan to be or if they just want to continue 
the trade jabs with Netflix in the linear arena of streaming, which is basically what they are doing, um, you can do that. But it, but my question is, is Netflix really the threat to Disney or is it the tech monopolies? And I would argue it's the latter. I yep. think everyone in, as you were saying, right, Netflix is a movie studio. All of the movie studios are trying to go after Netflix. What they should really be looking at is Amazon and Facebook and now Apple's in the business right. and Twitch, YouTube, YouTube, all these kinds of things. Those to me, maybe immediate term, Netflix is the biggest threat to Disney and the traditional content media players. Long term, it is absolutely the tech monopolies are the true threat. If, if I were Disney and I have a lot of money tied up basically in live sports, ES, Disney owns ESPN. What I would potentially be looking at is can I go hard after esports and do a content platform around that? Not necessarily competing directly with Twitch, which is a little more focused on kind of amateur gaming content, but like professional gaming, go after this. Uh, Microsoft, of course, is doing this. So you're again, you're competing with the big tech companies. But if there was an arena I wanted to get into and I'm Disney that's growing that might align with the Disney brand, esports would be what I would be looking at because that's part of their core demographic. Mm hmm. Absolutely. Lots of opportunities for Disney. I don't think Bob is appreciating the supply side yep. dynamic of what platforms bring as much as he should be of, of what platforms bring if he embraces it, A, and B, of the threat of the supply side right. from platforms going up against Disney. So moving on to France. So one of the interesting things with Plat, the ETF, is that we noticed that Europe only had about 10%, maybe slightly less, of the public platform stocks in Plat. Right. That's actually continuing many. to only go down if we look at the recent IPOs. They're either coming out of the U.S. or China. Right. Most of the, if you look at the big platform IPOs in the last six months, basically, I think there's you know, several from China, probably about four or five, six from the U.S., uh, and I think maybe one from Europe. Yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. There's a lot of reasons why Europe doesn't have as robust of a tech ecosystem as it should. Um, it's going to be very hard for Europe to recover from this. Net, net, I don't think the regulation, they're so pro just regulating everything. Some of it they get right. A lot of it they don't get right. But net, net, I also think that helps to worsen the tech environment in Europe. There's a number of factors. That's not the only one. But anyway, so this company, Blah Blah Car, um, has raised a little under half a billion dollars. It's a unicorn. It's a platform. They made an acquisition. Thought it'd be interesting to highlight it. Um, and they're operating in more emerging markets. I think they're in like South America, Russia, Eastern, Eastern Europe. Yeah, Russia and Brazil. So uh, it's interesting. Not crazy groundbreaking, but hey, at least they're doing something. Um, France of all places. So um, last note here, McDonald's in China. Uh, interestingly, that this is majority owned by the Citic Capital, not I by think McDonald's. by requirement, probably right, from exactly. The government. Um, so anyway, they're saying that that delivery in China accounts for twenty one percent of McDonald's revenue and is a huge growth driver. And is a, the a huge or the biggest growth driver? I think, I think um, it's the biggest, the biggest That's growth right. driver. McDonald's owned eighty percent stake in the business. Um, in 2017, 
Interesting. And uh, to Sitik and Carlisle. And, you know, the interesting thing about delivery in China, we've spoken about this, is China, I mean, McDonald's was doing all of its own delivery when I was in China in 2009. Yep. Long before, right? That's right when Uber was coming out, let alone food delivery apps. And so China was doing its own delivery. They literally had, it's like what the infrastructure that Domino's has in the U.S. times 50. Um, and, it, and, and it, it would get, the food would get to me faster than if I was to walk down the street, go into a Mc, Chinese McDonald's, wait in order line. it, yeah. wait in line, and then go back to my apartment to eat it. It was actually amazing. And it cost nothing because labor is so cheap there. And, um, so it was a great experience. They could have absolutely done platform. Now these deliver, now the delivery apps in China, like my Tuan Dianping, um, backed by Tencent. And Alibaba has a competitive ones are the absolute winner take all uh, dominant players for food delivery in China. And um, this is a this is, again, just another example of a big miss linear linear traditional enterprises not appreciating the untapped assets that they have, that if they could tap into those at the right time, there's a big caveat there, um, tap into those and spin out their own platforms. I mean, imagine the value of this business. So this is basically the biggest growth driver for McDonald's in China. They don't own it because they're going through all these other distribution channels, these platforms that they don't own. Could have owned it. They had all the assets there. Uh, they had the breadth and the reach and the brand to go do this. But of course, that they didn't do it. And probably because, oh, you know, why would we want to deliver other people's foods? And I'm sure there's lots of good reasons at the time why not to do it. But the, the downside today is pretty clear. You don't own the platform, you don't own the distribution, and you don't own the customer at the end of the day. Yeah, and here's the other interesting thing. So they sold an 80% stake for $2 billion in 2017, January 2017. So, you know, a little, about like two and a half years ago. MyTuan has raised $8 billion. Yeah. Okay. Raised $8 billion. Now, food, food delivery in China is a massive market. You it's have a, a lot of these deal. very dense Valued urban cities. $55 billion to IPO. This was, uh, this was a year ago, so who knows? Whatever it is, do the comparison, right? $3 billion. $50 billion. <laughs> a lot of enterprise value there. Which one do you want to capture, right? It was there. They could have done it. They could have done it. Um, and as we've talked about, McDonald's has basically built Uber Eats's global business. They were a premium partner. It was for accounting Uber. for what? 20% of Uber Eats or something crazy like right. that. And they, At got least a, 10%. they got a good deal. Of course, they're not paying the same take rate that everyone else is. Uh, and they got good promotion and placement in the app and all this stuff, but they don't own it. Big miss. Uh, anyway, that's it for us today on winner take all. Thanks for joining us. We will be back on Friday. Talk to you soon.